Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. God bless you, and thank you for tuning in. I pray that these are being a blessing to you and that you know Jesus as your own personal Lord and Savior and are growing as his disciple. Today we are in the book of Revelation, and we are going to attempt to conclude Revelation chapter 18 today. And so in doing that, I'd like to read the remainder of this chapter. And so I want to begin the reading in Revelation chapter 18, beginning in verse 9. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and bodies and souls of men. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour, such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who travel by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city, in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth. For in one hour she is made desolate. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found any more. The sound of harpets, musicians, flautists, and trumpeteers shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery, all 
the nations were deceived. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. I want us to talk about these verses and see what this is telling us about Babylon's great destruction. A little bit more justification as to why so that we can understand that this was her just due and that we can understand the finality of it. Poof, she's gone, it's evaporated as far as Babylon is concerned, over and done with. So let's look at that in detail as we examine these verses. Chapter 18 may refer more to the economic side of the great mystery Babylon the Great, the harlot, and we see that here in many ways in, in this whole chapter, throughout the chapter. And now we see in these verses that we read today specifically addressing the commercial aspect, the one world economy, you might call it, the currency, the trade and commercial global center for this Babylon the Great and her causes in that, her part to play in that, her influences, her seductions, earth and specifically the merchants. Now we see them responding in the first few verses that we read today. We've already talked about how she is judged in one hour. And notice how that is repeated several times in this very chapter. And we saw how the judgment came that it was her just due and that God was, God was done. Strong is the Lord who judges her. But notice now how we have given to us the specific responses, particularly from the earth dwellers and most importantly here, specifically the merchants to Babylon's destruction. The merchants are mourning for her. They are saying, alas, they are weeping and wailing. They are putting ashes on their heads. That was a sign of mourning. Notice the ones who respond and how they are responding. The kings of the earth, meaning the rulers, the global leaders, the merchants who were made rich because of her, through her sorcery, through her influence, through her support, through the opportunities she gave, through the association with her. They are mourning over her. They are lamenting, weeping, saying, Alas, they are calling her the great city Babylon, the mighty city. They are standing in amazement at the smoke of her burning. In one hour, they are amazed that in one hour, she's gone. It's evaporated. She's done with but they are noticed they are standing at a distance. They're not close to her anymore. They don't want to share in this judgment. They're staying away, maybe even hoping it won't come to them. They see the city burning because of the judgment that God has poured out upon them. This reminded me of Sodom and Gomorrah. I would like to read this passage to you because it has some similarity. Genesis chapter 19. In Genesis chapter 19, we find the account of when the two men that were with the Lord himself and Abraham in chapter 18 have now come to Sodom and they find Lot 
They talked a lot. They get lot out of Sodom because of the mercies of God. And then notice this beginning in verse 24. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. Then we know that Lot's wife looked backwards and became a pillar of salt, beginning again in the reading in verse 27. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land, which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. So this is Abraham actually being able to see the smoke of their burning. And we have that again here in Revelation chapter 18, where these merchants will stand afar off and see it. Abraham had interceded with the Lord for Sodom, and so it brought him great distress. But in Revelation, we see these merchants mourning for, for Babylon, but not for the same reason that Abraham mourned over the loss of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we'll see that as we have read it and as we discuss it a little bit further. These merchants are upset, yes. They're bummed out, yes. They're horrified, yes, because nobody's buying their stuff anymore. Not because of any righteousness, not because they're now going to repent before the Lord. Oh, no, no. It's only because of money and greed. It reminded me of the verse that says the love of money is the root of all evil. This proves that they had the love of money. They're all upset because nobody's buying their stuff anymore. All of these listings of their merchandise. Notice their merchandise that's listed here. We're talking about gold and silver and frankincense and oil and wine and, and clothing and precious stones and all kinds of things, wood and different things. But then notice at the bottom, it says, and the bodies and souls of people. How evil can that be? They are selling bodies and souls of people. That could be in human trafficking, could be selling them over in seductions to witchcraft and other things, selling bodies, selling body parts, perhaps through abortion and other means. It's evil very evil what they've been doing. And these merchants now watch her burn and they're upset because she's burning, but it's because they've lost their support and their ability now to get any more wealth out of her. It reminded me of two other accounts in the scriptures that I'd like for us to refer to very quickly that were also upset because the gospel interfered with their ability to gain profit. Let's look first at Mark chapter 5. Here in Mark chapter 5, we read the account where Jesus has come to this area of the Gadarenes across the Galilee, Sea of Galilee, and he has delivered 
this man from demonic possession. And the demons have recognized him and they have begged him not to send them to the abyss, not to torment them before the time. So listen to this. We're going to pick up the reading in verse 11. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him, meaning Jesus, to depart from their region. The people that owned this swine, the people that were profiting from all these swine, didn't care about the fact that this man who had been tortured and tormented by this demon, these legion of demons that were in him, he was now set free by the Lord Jesus himself. That didn't matter to them. What mattered was that they lost their money down in the Sea of Galilee when that whole 2,000 herd ran down the steep mountains into the sea. That was more important to them than the salvation and rescue of this man. How sad, how sad is that? Then in Acts chapter 19, I want us to read beginning in verse 17. This is in reference to Paul and some of his work for the gospel as he's spreading the gospel. Verse 17 of Acts 19. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. And about that time, there arose a great commotion about the way. That was what they called the followers of Jesus at that time. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Diana, brought no small profit to the craftsmen. He called them together with the workers of similar occupation and said, Men, you know that we have our prosperity by this trade. Moreover, you see and hear that not only at Ephesus, but throughout almost all Asia, this Paul 
has persuaded and turned away many people, saying that they are not gods which are made with hands. So not only is this trade of ours in danger of falling into disrepute, but also the temple of the great goddess Diana may be despised and her magnificence destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipped. Now when they heard this, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. So the whole city was filled with confusion and rushed into the theater with one accord, having seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians, Paul's travel companions. And when Paul wanted to go in to the people, the disciples would not allow him. So there's this riot that arises in Ephesus because of Paul. Not because Paul is setting people free, not because people are getting saved and being set free of all the things that that has bound them. Oh no, they're not rejoicing over that. They are angry and creating a riot at Paul because he has come spreading the gospel and now their pocketbooks are not going to be full anymore. They're not going to have the money they used to have because people are recognizing that the one true and living God is the true God and not idols made with hand. But it was all about money for them. They were losing their profit and they were none too happy about it. Now, this passage in Revelation 18 about Babylon the Great and especially the commercial, global commerce and trade center of that whole Babylonian system that's coming, this system of this harlot, we find similarities in Ezekiel chapter 27. This is a prophecy against Tyre, but it really in that passage is not so much referring to Tyre and Sidon, although the actual cities may be a part of that, yes. Because remember, these merchants were standing and looking afar off from her. They were noticing her destruction afar off. But let's read Ezekiel 27, because it's speaking of their judgment to come on a global and commercial trade center for the whole world, and one that fits in with Babylon the Great's commercialism. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 27. As I read through these verses, just notice the similarities. Ezekiel 27, beginning in verse 1. The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Now, son of man, take up a lamentation for Tyre, and say to Tyre, You who are situated at the entrance of the sea, merchant of the peoples on many coastlands, thus says the Lord God, O Tyre, you have said, I am perfect in beauty. Your borders are in the midst of the seas. Your builders have perfected your beauty. They made all your planks of fir trees from Sinar. They took a cedar from Lebanon to make you a mast. Of oaks from Bashan they made your oars. The company of Asherites have inlaid your planks with ivory from the coasts of Cyprus. Fine embroidered linen from Egypt was what you spread for your sail. Blue and purple from the coast of Elisha was what covered you. Inhabitants of Sidon and Arvad were your oarsmen. Your wise men, O Tyre, were in you. They became your pilots. Elders of Gabal and its wise men were in you to caulk your seams. All the ships of the sea and their oarsmen were in you to market your merchandise. 
Those from Persia, Lydia, and Libya were in your army as men of war. They hung shield and helmet in you. They gave splendor to you. Men of Arvad with your army were all were on your walls all around. And the men of Gamad were in your towers. They hung their shields on your wall all around. They made your beauty perfect. So in other words, he's listing this global unified commercialism that's going on with many different people involved in it. Verse 12, Tarshish was your merchant because of your many luxury goods. They gave you silver, iron, tin, and lead for your goods. Javan, Tubal, and Meshach were your traders. They bartered human lives and vessels of bronze for your merchandise. Those from the house of Togarma traded for your wares with horses, steeds, and mules. The men of Dedan were your traders. Many isles were the market of your hands. They brought you ivory tusks and ebony as payment. Syria was your merchant because of the abundance of goods you made. They gave you for your wares emeralds, purple, embroidery, fine linen, corals, and rubies. Judah and the land of Israel were your traders. They traded for your merchandise wheat of Minith, millet, honey, oil, and balm. Damascus was your merchant because of the abundance of goods you made, because of your many luxury items, with the wine of Helbon and with white wool. Dan and Javon paid for your wares, traversing back and forth. Wrought iron, cassia, and cane were among your merchandise. Dedan was your merchant in saddlecloths for riding. Arabia and all the princes of Kedar were your regular merchants. They traded with you in lambs, rams, and goats. The merchants of Sheba and Ramah were your merchants. They traded for your wares the choicest spices, all kinds of precious stones and gold. Haran, Kane, Eden, the merchants of Sheba, Assyria, and Kilmad were your merchants. These were your merchants in choice items in purple clothes, in embroidered garments, in chests of multicolored apparel, in sturdy woven cords which were in your marketplace. The ships of Tarshish were carriers of your merchandise. You were filled and very glorious in the midst of the seas. Your oarsmen brought you into many waters, but the east wind broke you in the midst of the seas. Your riches, wares, and merchandise, your mariners and pilots, your caulkers and merchandisers, all your men of war who are in you and the entire company which is in your midst will fall into the midst of the seas on the day of your ruin. The common land will shake at the sound of the cry of your pilots. All who handle the oar, the mariners, all the pilots of the sea will come down from their ships and stand on the shore. They will make their voice heard because of you. They will cry bitterly and cast dust on their heads. They will roll about in ashes. They will shave themselves completely bald because of you. Gird themselves with sackcloth and weep for you with bitterness of heart and bitter wailing. In their wailing for you, they will take up a lamentation and lament for you what city is like Tyre destroyed in the midst of the sea. When your wares went out by sea, you satisfied many people. You enriched the kings of the earth with your many luxury goods and your merchandise. But you are broken by the seas in the depths of the waters. Your merchandise and the entire company will fall in your midst. 
All the inhabitants of the isles will be astonished at you. Their kings will be greatly afraid and their countenance will be troubled. The merchants among the peoples will hiss at you. You will become a horror and be no more forever. So here we see this prophecy labeled at being against Tyre. It is against this whole of this globalist system of the influence and the whore that's behind it, this harlot, mystery, Babylon the Great. And so we see many similarities here in Ezekiel 27 that tell us it connects with Revelation 18 and this judgment on Babylon. In Isaiah 23, we also see a prophetic word against this tire, but it also speaks of Babylon. In Isaiah 23, we have a very similar passage, prophetic word, that comes against this tire as well, but it also has many similarities here with Revelation 18 and actually speaks of Babylon in the sense that it speaks of the land of the Chaldeans and it speaks of the city whose antiquity is from ancient days, taking us all the way back to Genesis, for instance, Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. So we see that these are prophetic words that also tie to this finality of Babylon in addition to all of the other prophetic words that we have seen in the scriptures specifically toward Babylon in the last few episodes. It appears that Tyre is a reference to the commercial center that drank this harlot Babylon the Great's wine and commits and in, is involved in this commercial merchandise and wealth with her, selling and bartering. In the land of the Chaldeans, this ancient city. In Revelation 18, verse 17 speaks of Babylon the Great as that city, taking us back to Revelation 17, verse 4. Also notice that verse 18 fulfills Ezekiel 27, verse 30. This was one of those scriptures and prophetic words that had not yet found its ultimate fulfillment. But here again, if you remember, throughout this study of Revelation, we are seeing Revelation giving us the wrap-up or the way that all of the scriptures end up and tie together perfectly. So back in Ezekiel 27, 30, one of the things that was said is they will make their voice heard because of you. They will cry bitterly and cast dust on their heads. They will roll about in ashes and so forth. So here we see Revelation 18, these merchants now in their weeping and wailing and lamenting, casting this dust on their heads. Notice, however, that in the midst of this, we find this verse 20 where it says here, Remember, this voice from heaven is the one revealing these things to John. And so now we have this voice from heaven saying in verse 20, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. So we've seen how this is the day of the Lord's vengeance. We've read that in several episodes in the past 
And we've looked at that very clearly. So this voice from heaven is now giving this call to those in heaven, all that are there, I believe, all the Christians that are there, the angels, etc. But he also specifies to, in addition to those, the also he specifies the holy apostles and prophets. The reason he's giving this call is because vengeance has now come from God. If you'll recall, I want to give you this passage. We've read it several times in this study, but in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35 through 43, it says in there a few times about vengeance belonging to the Lord. And notice this, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, it says in there, and I will repay. As well as several other Old Testament prophets have spoken the same type of word about the day of the Lord's vengeance coming. Even in the New Testament, we have Paul quoting this verse and verifying it in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. And we also have the author of Hebrews verifying it in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30. So this is fulfilling the fact that God promised to repay. He promised he would have vengeance, that it belongs to him and to him alone. Also in Jeremiah 51 verse 6, which Jeremiah 50 and 51 is a prophetic word against Babylon. And it says in verse 6 of chapter 51 of Jeremiah, Flee from the midst of Babylon and everyone save his life. Do not be cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He shall recompense her. So he's speaking of this. He goes on talking about how Babylon was this golden cup that made all the nations of the earth drink her wine. All of that fits with Revelation 17 and 18. We know that that's what this prophetic word from Jeremiah is speaking about. And so this word is now being fulfilled when we get to Revelation 18. The day of the Lord's vengeance has truly come. Finally, God has avenged. Remember, she had been sowing and sowing and sowing into iniquity, iniquity after iniquity, sowing evil, sowing evil, sowing evil. But now that cry has arisen to the heavens and it's time God said enough is enough. Finally, God has now avenged her. In verse 21 of Revelation chapter 18, notice the millstone is again mentioned here as applying to Babylon. This millstone is tied and, and thrown into the sea. Notice this millstone is again mentioned in verse 21 of Revelation 18. This mighty angel is taking up this stone like a great millstone, throwing it into the sea and saying, decreeing, thus with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. We've looked at this in the last episode or so. Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 7. Jesus said, for anyone who would lead even one little one astray. It would be better for them. A millstone hung about their neck and they drowned in the sea. We saw in Jeremiah 51, verse 59 through 64, how when Jeremiah had delivered the word against Babylon, 
God instructed him to tell Sarah when he got to Babylon to do just that, to cast a millstone, tie a stone around it, throw it into the sea, symbolically fulfilling what Jesus would come along later and say in Matthew 18. The reason being because this woman, Babylon, this this system that is referred to as Babylon the Great, as this great harlot and mother of all abominations in the earth, she's done. Her vengeance has come because she has led millions and billions astray. There's not going to be any more normal life for her. There's not going to be any more business as usual for her. Babylon is done. She has deceived all the nations. Notice this, through her sorceries. That word is the Greek word pharmakia, and it literally means medicines. It's where we get the word pharmacy. It can also mean medication or magic, witchcraft. It can mean the use and employment of drugs for any purpose, including in magic and enchantments. Drugs, poison, magic arts, often associated with idolatry, and the seductions of idolatry. Now, we're not speaking here against true medicines for health purposes. Many of us, myself included, have to take certain medications for health reasons. That is not what is being spoken of here. Although the medications that are used here by this whore and her system and her and her cohorts may be various types of drugs we don't know, either legal or illegal drugs, but they are all being used for evil purposes, for seduction, for control, for witchcraft, etc. All of it is being used to deceive, and that's how she is deceiving the nations. She is responsible also for the innocent blood and martyrdoms of prophets and saints, both in the Old Testament and the New, and all murders. I believe that includes abortions, euthanasia, genocide, murder and killings, crime that results in bloodshed. She's responsible. This is that harlot, that Nimrod empire, all the way back to Genesis, full of hate and disdain for human life. I want to look at Genesis chapter 9. In Genesis chapter 9, this is after the flood. This is right after the flood. And I want to begin the reading in verse 1 as we draw to a close here. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the air, on all that move on the earth, and on all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely, for your lifeblood, I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast, I will require it. And from the hand of man, from the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. 
Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man, and as for you, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply in it. God's purpose and God's plan was that the earth be repopulated with men, with women, with boys and girls, and that it be filled. But this whore of Babylon is the one responsible for murder after murder after murder, innocent bloodshed after innocent bloodshed. And so now the recompense and the just judicial sentence for murder defined for us in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, has now come upon Babylon, who has been responsible for the innocent bloodshed of billions and billions. This is more evidence of Babylon's crime and the appropriate judicial sentence now being executed on her in totality and in finality. It's done. It's complete. She is gone. No more. No more. God has had his day of vengeance. I pray that this has been a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.